Let me tell you, nothing makes you feel more loved than when a baby projectile vomits on you countless times while you're babysitting him. I had the pleasure of babysitting my nephew Lucas uh, the other the other day. I don't even know what day it is, y'all. So the other day, <laughs> babysat him. It was the first time mom and dad were going out for the night and we're getting a babysitter, and they asked Auntie Amy to do the job. And I was here for it. Not only was I honored, it was just like, yes, I get alone time with the little guy. So like, if he smiles, it's not because mom's standing over my shoulder. It's because he actually maybe knows who I am and likes me. Well, enter Auntie. I show up. Um... My brother and my sister-in-law have, like, notes written out, which is super helpful, mind you. Like, as somebody who babysat when I was a child, a child, could you imagine? Yeah, Amy, that's right. I babysat when I was a child. When I was, like, a teen, tween, however old I was, when I babysat, it's helpful to have the instructions written out, okay? Obviously, I nannied after that, so, like, I didn't need instructions at that point. But to watch a kid for a night that you don't normally watch, yeah, a step-by-step process, super fucking helpful. So they had everything written out. Uh, He's got a whole bedtime routine, okay? And this bedtime routine goes a little something like this. Step one. Get a warm washcloth and wipe down his face and his little body. Step two, strip off his diaper, wipe his ass, smear some cream in the butt crack, smear a different cream on the pee-pee, strap him in into a new diaper. Step three, take the essential oil roller and roll it on his chest because he's just getting over a little cough from daycare and it helps him. Step four, get some coconut oils. Put it on the little spoon. Dip your finger off the spoon and smear it on his head. Smear it over his face because he had dry scalp and some dry skin and that helps him and he loves the coconuts. Now we move on to the next step. Once you coconut him up, you get the soft bristled little brush and now you just brush his head and he loves it. And, and mom demonstrated this for me. And she said, look how much he loves it. And he got all giggly when she brushed his head. Okay. The next step after you do all that is now we put on the jammies. Then we wrap him up in the little snoo thing. Okay. And then you give him the bottle. Well, let me tell you how it went for Auntie Amy. Mind you, before I tell you how it went for me, there was a timeline to this. It was supposed to be close to 7 p.m., Amy. He will be ready to go to bed, and you'll see he gets a little restless and cranky because he's tired. Okay, no problem. Well, Amy's eating her taqueria Mexican dinner, and little Lucas is playing across the room. I had him rigged up in one of his little play chairs that, that he likes, And he starts getting fussy. And I just let it go for a second. And now he's getting fussier. 
And I'm like, okay, I look at the clock, it's 6.30 p.m. I think to myself, well, that's way too fucking early. So maybe we need a diaper change. Okay, well, I take him out. I check his diaper. He's clean. So I'm like, okay, well, you're fine. Maybe you just need me to sit over here and give you attention. So I put him back in and I'm sitting and I'm talking to him and now he's getting really fussy. And I'm like, okay, well, the only other option here is to give you your nighttime bottle. And I didn't think about the list when I did this. So hang tight. Because <laughs> then this is where it all went wrong. <laughs> I had a baby getting cranky. I checked the diaper. I knew he had a nighttime bottle. I mean, it's not rocket science. Okay, if your diaper doesn't need changing, then you must want the food. So now he's getting so cranky. I, I grab him. I go pop the bottle in the bottle warmer, and he's now just starting to increasingly get louder and angrier and louder and angrier. And now my freaking ovaries and uterus are screaming at me going, don't have a child anytime in the near future, Amy, because this is what it's going to look like. So he's got six minutes to wait for the bottle warmer to count down. And he's just wailing, red in the face, wailing at me. So I take him over to the mirror because I'm a jackass. (laughs) I'm like bouncing on my hip and I'm like, Lucas, who's that? Look in the mirror, Lucas. Who is that? As I try to snap photos and I'll tell you what, I got like three photos of me and him standing in the mirror where I'm smiling and he is red in the face, tears running down his eyes, glaring at me with a death stare. Bottles ready. I go sit down on the couch real quick because now I just want to pop this thing in his mouth and get him to calm down, soothe him, relax him. He lays right down. He takes the bottle and he's slowly falling asleep. This child knocks right out in my arms and then I pause and I literally panic and look around the room and I go where is that fucking note with the steps to the bedtime routine because I start to think to myself oh no what am I supposed to do if he takes the bottle and he falls asleep in my arm then I'm supposed to go through all of these bedtime routine steps when he's knocked out I didn't think you woke a sleeping baby I am now beside myself. I've got one hand on the bottle. I've got Lucas in my other arm. I have nobody but the dog there. And the dog definitely can't go find me that note and bring it to me. So I'm looking. I see it. It's on the counter. Far away from me, mind you. The closest thing to me was my phone. So I let him finish this bottle. He passes out grab my phone, text my brother and sister-in-law, and I go, so he passed out taking his bottle. Do I just start his bedtime routine now? And they're like, and I don't think they read this properly because they were at a wedding. So their response was, yeah, just start the bedtime routine. I take him in the nursery, put him on this changing table that he's supposed to love, And start taking his pants off to change his diaper. And this child's eyes open and he looks at me and he is not at all happy with Auntie Amy. So I'm like, hi, Lucas. 
You love this routine. Let's get started. So I take the diaper off. I wipe his little ass. I put the cream on the crack. And as I'm starting to do this, he just starts to cry. And I'm like, no, what are you, what are you doing? You got your bottle and you're supposed to be happy now. We're on the changing table. I put cream in your crack. You're good. And I just keep going. And now I'm like at the essential oil roller part for his chest. And I'm like, this is supposed to be like aromatherapy, some some stuff that should calm your ass right down. And this child now is red in the face again and he is wailing at me. Now, sidebar, I nannied. I nannied children from diapers until they're into their teens, okay? And I one of those children was a baby, like a newborn baby when I started nannying. So I am more than capable of taking care of children, but I haven't done it in a hot minute. So is it like getting back on a bicycle after you fall off? Yes. Was this my first time alone with my nephew and a little on edge about getting it right? Yes. Is it a little nerve wracking when the child is like repeatedly crying in your arms and you're thinking to yourself, does that mean you don't like me and you start taking it personally? Yes. So Lucas was not impressed with the essential oil roller when Auntie was doing it. Cut to the coconut oil. I'm thinking, if anything puts me in a good mood, it's when I lather up my body with coconut oil, so this should do the trick. Mind you, I'm also wrapping salt and pepper to my nephew while I'm doing this, okay? So, let's let's just give you a little preview. Picture this. Lucas laying on a changing table, red in the face, tears streaming down his cheeks. He is not happy with Auntie smothering his body in coconut oil. And Auntie, with a big-ass smile on her face, starts looking at him and breaks out into song. Uh, here I go, here I go, here I go. Again, girls, what's my weakness? Ben, okay, Ben, chillin', chillin'. Minding my business, you saw I looked around and I couldn't believe this. I swear, I stared, my niece, my witness, the brother had it going, it was something kinda, uh, wicked, wicked. Had to kick him. <laughs> he, was, he was not having it. He was not, so then I jumped and I was like, um, you're packed and you're stacked, especially in the back, brother, wanna take your mother for a butt like that. Can I get some fries with the shake, shake booty? If looks could kill, you would be an Uzi or a shotgun. Bang! What's up with that thing? <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Coconuts all over his body. He was not happy. Now, mind you, when I smothered Dewey in coconut oil, Dewey had a fucking blast. He started eating his own fur because it tasted so good. Lucas... Mm, not having it. So I whip out the soft bristled brush and I'm picturing my sister-in-law brushing his head during the demonstration part of the evening and him giggling and smiling. And I'm thinking, she said he loves this. He showed me he loves this. You're going to love this, Lucas. So I take the brush out and I start brushing his head and he is now just screaming bloody murder. And I'm thinking, you know, the last 
thing I ever did as a child was scream my head off when someone was willingly brushing my hair. That was not something I did myself. So I had to be talked into brushing my hair countless times as a child. When somebody willingly walked up to me and offered to put a comb through it, I was in. I was all in. So I pick him up and I'm trying to comfort him in my arms. And what does he do? He projectile vomits on me. I just look down at my new pair of jeans and the floor and I see a puddle of puke. And I look at him and now he stopped crying. And I thought to myself, oops, I skipped the step of burping him. Listen, I knew I was missing something, but it wasn't a thought process that I needed to burp him because he passed out taking the bottle in my arms. And I was just more nervous about, oh, what do I do with all these in-between steps between now he's asleep and I'm supposed to get him in bed, like swaddled up and rigged into this snoo. Well, okay, so I missed the whole burping stage. Fine by me. Then... I get him in his jammies. Now I gotta, if you don't know what a snoo is, Google it. Because I'm not going to describe this thing. But basically the gist is it's a cradle that rocks. You push a button and it rocks itself, okay? And it senses the child. So when the child doesn't stop crying and fall asleep, the thing eventually just raises its hands and says, I fucking quit. It's your turn. Tag, you're it. That's what it does. But to put a baby in a snoo... You have to wrap it in this swaddle thing that comes with the snoo that hooks to the sides of the snoo so the baby can't roll around in there because the thing is moving. So this swaddle is a straight up straight jacket. I go to put him in. You put him in his jammies, then you wrap him in this like swaddle thing. The swaddle thing has this internal Velcro system, okay? It's a straight jacket. It's straight up a straight jacket. You take this internal part that Velcros and you wrap his arms at his side so he can't move them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I was I was miserable doing this to him. I just felt awful. Why are we wrapping babies in straight jackets? Okay? So you so he's in his jammies, you buckle him in, you wrap his arms down, and then you zip him up in this little potato sack. So I get the potato sack baby into the snoo, and then there's these fabric hooks on the side of the swaddle that clip into place inside the snoo so he can't wiggle around. So I latch him in, and I literally look at him, and I'm just like, oh my god. about how I sleep at night. I freaking roll back and forth. I kick things. I spread my arm. Like, what if his little limbs fall asleep? What if he gets the little pins and needles in his little feetsies? Like, he can't do anything about it. Oh, it's so miserable. Also, let's just think about this. This baby was just screaming his head off, crying, pissed off that I didn't burp him, puked all over me, and then I put him in a straight jacket and I latch him into a moving crib? Like, that just seems like water torture, right? So I rig him in there and I push the button and I leave the room with the baby monitor and I'm literally right in the next room and I'm sitting down and I hear him whining. 
And I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, okay, well, they did tell me that it might take a second, but he eventually just like settles in and then he'll, he'll kind of knock out. Well, he went for three minutes and then I'm looking at the clock going, okay, let me give him to about five minutes. And if he doesn't settle, I'll go in there. Well, now we're five minutes and he doesn't settle. I head in there and I'm watching him and I'm talking to him. And then I'm like, let me leave him a little longer. So I go back out and he keeps going. He goes to the point that the snoo shuts off, which means the snoo gave up on the system. The snoo just tapped out. The snoo tagged me in. The snoo, the freaking robot, was like, yo, bitch. You better take care of him because it's not working here. And I am throwing my hands up saying, I give up. So I go in and I pick up the little potato sack baby. And what does he do? Oh, that's right. He pukes all over me. (laughs) I can't even be angry at this. He went from screaming to puking on me to being wrapped in a straitjacket to being hooked into Mr. Toad's wild ride, to then being shook back and forth, of course he's going to puke on me. How could I remotely be angry about that? At this point, the list has gone out the window because none of it's working for me. This list is not stranger friendly. This list is mom and dad friendly. This is mom and dad's bedtime routine. I've tried. Auntie tried. Auntie is now tapping out of the steps and Auntie is going to use her own motherly instinct to, to, to calm this child down and figure this shit out. So I literally clean up the puke. I leave him in the potato sack. Mind you, when you're holding a child that is wrapped in this swaddle-like straitjacket thing, um, it's an interesting experience because you feel so wrong doing it, but they look so damn cute. So I just hold him over my shoulder, and I sit in the rocking chair, and I go old school. I just start talking to him in a soothing way and rocking him back and forth slowly. And guess what? He calmed down. He fell asleep. I gently laid him back in the snoo. I hooked him back into place. I turned that little fucking robot back on. I took my freaking monitor out into the living room. And he slept a solid 10 hours that night. Thank you, Auntie. Lucas and Auntie have now bonded in a very special way. Because I got your number, Lucas. Oh, yeah. Oh, he loves the changing table. Yeah. Roll him with the essential oils. Smother him in the coconuts. Oh, and he giggles and he laughs for mom and dad. And then mom and dad leave. And what does he do with auntie? Oh, he projectile vomits his milk all over Auntie's new pants about three and a half times. And he won't let the robot put him to sleep. He wants Auntie to rock him. Okay, I got it, Lucas. I got your number. From now on, we remove the straight jacket. We get rid of the robot. I'm going to wrap you in fig leaves. And I'm going to throw you on the couch. And we're going to wrap to Sir Mix-a-Lot. All in all, I think it went really well. Let me tell you what it did do. It reminded me to take my birth control. She loves the baby. Just not yet. You know what I mean? In 
other news. I want to finish off this episode with a little chit chat about upholding boundaries. Now, I know some of you think the topic of boundaries is redundant. I don't find it ever to be because the truth of the matter is it's literally single-handedly one of the biggest things everybody in the world struggles with. They don't quite understand it one bit. Everybody wants respect, but nobody knows how to respect themselves. So because I've had countless conversations since we last spoke on this topic, I think it's important that I touch on a few important things that have been coming up a lot. The first one is this. If somebody keeps annoying you, If somebody is repeatedly doing something to you or around you or or trying to communicate with you and you're not interested in engaging in it or however, however you're feeling about it, you're irritated and frustrated, it's your individual responsibility to communicate that to the person, to set the boundary. They don't know you're irritated. Don't drop hints. That's not fair to anybody. Nobody's a mind reader and nobody should ever have to try to read between the lines and take a hint. Use your words and communicate with them what you're needing, what you're wanting, and what you're available for. For example, let's say somebody keeps calling you up and all they want to do is vent and bitch and complain about the same problem, but they have never taken any action step to change that problem. No matter what you've offered them, they don't do it. They don't They don't try to apply something else to change their circumstances. And now you're tired and you're feeling drained. This is on you. If they're annoying you, that's a you problem. Not a them problem. They don't know they're annoying you. You're the one feeling the emotion. You're the one annoyed. So what do you do? You don't lash out at them. And this is what people seem to to not understand. You don't just attack the person because you're annoyed. I know how easy that seems, though. You're annoyed and you think it's their fault. I'm going to attack them. Truly, you're annoyed with yourself because you're avoiding communicating a boundary because maybe you don't want to let them down. Maybe you don't want to hurt their feelings. Maybe you want to be empathetic. Whatever the case might be, you can communicate this in a very kind, uh, compassionate way, but a firm way. All you got to do is say something like, listen, I love supporting you and I'm happy to be here for you, but... If you're not looking for a solution, I can't really provide you support. If you're looking for a sounding board, I might not be the best friend to call up. You might want to pick somebody else. But if you want solutions, I'm here for you. I'm happy to help you. Because clearly, now, just that that's what you say. But clearly, now I'm speaking to you. If you're frustrated because... They just keep repeating themselves and bitching, but they're not doing anything different. Clearly, you're pissed that they didn't adhere to anything you offered them, and they're not willing to even try. Boundaries are you knowing your limits. So the minute you feel an emotion that's negative in these moments in your life, that's indicative of you needing or having a limit. You've got to speak up in that moment once you figure out what that limit is. 
and and be capable of communicating it without blaming or projecting. Be capable of communicating it by owning the fact that this is what you're available for, not what they need to stop doing, right? Because drawing the line in the sand, letting them know where the boundary is, is not you trying to control or change them. It's you saying, I'm here for you, but this is what I'm here for. And anything else that doesn't really fit this this criteria can be taken to other people who who might be better fits for it. I'm just not one of them. You also have to realize that boundaries are not you saying, I don't care about you and I don't want to help you and I'm not here for you. Boundaries are you saying, I'm here for you for these things. I'm available for these things. I want to support you, but here's what I'm capable of giving you. When you start to overgive to other people in your life, you start to feel resentful or annoyed or angry because then you start to base base their actions off of their or you start to base the gratitude or the appreciation they have off of their actions. And you think they didn't do what I told them to do. They didn't change. They must not even be listening or appreciating what I'm giving them when the truth is you're choosing to give them that. So you can't get angry at what they do. Here's another example. Let's say you have somebody in your life. I don't care what their role or their title is. You have somebody in your life and they continue to do something that you really don't like and or is making you uncomfortable or, or making you feel unsafe in some capacity, but you tolerate it. You tolerate it. You don't mention it. You just put up with it. So they never know that it's an issue. They don't know what it's making you feel because you're just putting up with it and acting like everything's okay. And then you hit a breaking point as you're always going to. And... You snap and you yell at them and you say, this has been bothering me for 10 plus years. And they're like, "Uh, what? They're in the dark. When you do that, all this anger, this outburst that you have in that moment that was building inside of you, that's on you. It's not their fault. You didn't tell them. It's not their job to read your mind and know that something is upsetting you or hurting you. You've got to let people know that. You've got to advocate for yourself. Ooh, 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 here's another one. Let's say you do advocate for yourself. Somebody's doing something that irritates you and you do speak up and you do set a boundary and then they pop back up and they do it again anyway and you say nothing because you think to yourself, well, I already said it once and they just didn't do it. So what's the point in me saying it again? Well, Let me tell you what the point is in you saying it again. If you don't say it again or you don't just uphold on your end and respect what you're needing and wanting, which a lot of you don't even know what that looks or sounds like, so I'll tell you in a second. If you don't do that, then what's going to happen is you send them the message, it's okay, and then they're going to keep doing it again. People don't learn at the drop of a hat. I'll tell you what. There's some things in my life that have taken me years to learn. Sometimes I'm a quick study. Sometimes I'm a very slow learner. I sometimes need repetition and so do you. Other people do too. So yeah, it depends 
on who I'm dealing with. If it's a complete stranger who's completely irrational and reactive on the internet, I'm not giving them countless chances to disrespect me. No, I might hit block a whole lot quicker on that. But if it's somebody I know personally in my life that I value and I actually have a relationship with, I'm not quick to cut them off. I give them the benefit of the doubt because I respect them and I value our time together. And I also know I was once a fuck up myself. I listen to so many people and and quite frankly, this is probably one of the top things that I hear repetitively from, from a lot of people. Amy, he just keeps doing the same thing. And I already talked to him about it, but he just keeps doing it. Or she, right? Like, we could flip-flop the gen. It doesn't matter. The truth is, that's what I hear. I already said it, and they just keep doing it. And my question always is, why are you not upholding it? If they keep doing it, it's because you keep allowing it. Granted, if I say something and somebody disrespects me, and then I just repeat myself and they disrespect me again, I'm going to change something on my end to get a change on their end. Are you with me? It can't just be we just go tit for tat back and forth until one of us taps out. It has to be if this is my boundary, I'm going to be the leader here and you are going to adhere to whatever I set the tone for. So if you're not going to respect what I already set forth, as the parameters of this relationship or whatever the boundary might be, if you can't respect that, I'm going to make it firmer and I'm going to respect it. Now, what do I always say? Remove the margin of error. Remove the margin of error. Remove the margin. You can't see me right now, but my hands are about a foot apart and I just keep letting the walls close in because this is going to be a weird metaphor, but like that's how you kind of have to picture it, okay? Think of it like this. Depending on your relationship, you're either single occupancy or double occupancy room. (laughs) And therefore, that's your threshold, size of the room is the is the size of your threshold, okay? It's dependent on your relationship and, and if you want these people in your life or how harmful they are to your life. And therefore, when they overstep the boundary, the walls close in. And the walls represent your boundaries. And as the walls close in, the walls close in, the walls close in, eventually, the walls are going to smash together and there's no more room. And that's That's the end of that, right? That would be the end of that relationship. So they have to get firmer and firmer and firmer and firmer and firmer so that these people in your life can respect the boundary that you're setting. There's a class in The Inner Genius where I specifically give an example of when my mother would babysit my dog and I would bring her originally a bag of treats and then I'd just hand it to her and I'd expect her to know to not give him the entire bag of treats. And what would she do? She wouldn't break them into pieces and she would give him the entire bag of treats. Well, he was a tiny little Pomeranian. He can't handle an entire bag of treats. No dog needs to eat an entire bag of treats during a few hours of of them being watched. So the next time, instead of just yelling at her, the next time I adjusted accordingly. So the next time I took a few of those treats and I put them in a little Ziploc bag and I made him a little snack pack. And I brought the bag and I said, only give him these treats that are in this plastic bag. 
And I, again, expected her to know to break them into bite-sized pieces because he's a tiny little dog and he gets too excited and then he just stuffs the whole thing down his throat and then he throws it up. So if you break them into pieces, we're good to go. Well, she didn't do that either. So again, instead of getting mad, I adjusted accordingly. I removed the margin of error. So I took the treats the next time and I broke them into tiny little pieces, bite-sized pieces that I wanted him to have, and I counted them. And then I brought it to her and I said, give him these. And what'd she do? She did exactly what I needed her to do. So in other words, if somebody is not adhering to your boundaries, it's on you. It's on you. If you're annoyed, it's on you. If you're frustrated, it's on you. Is there a communication aspect that needs to take place? Yes. Most of the time, yes, at least once, and then adjust accordingly. And you have to adjust on your end. You have to move those walls in, right? Like so, so depending on the type of relationship you want, depends how far the walls are and how long you wait to push them in, right? A stranger on the internet, that's a tiny ass room. I'm not, I'm not gonna tolerate bullshit there. But Cheryl and Jeff, they've got a double occupancy with king size beds and 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 I allow a lot of room because I value those relationships and they're not going anywhere they're staying in my life so to recap real quick don't make people guess or read your mind it's on you to uphold them if you're annoyed or frustrated and finally the last one I really want you to remember here is that if you place yourself at the mercy of someone else I get a lot of situations that I hear about where somebody is like, well, when that person contacts me again, then I might say this. And I said, why don't you contact them? Because when you sit around and you wait, then, then you're now at their mercy. And if you've got something to say, why don't you just reach out and say it? But they wait around and they wait around putting themselves in a very vulnerable state because they don't know when that thing is going to come and now they're on edge permanently until it happens. So you need to take action when you feel something is off and you know what you want to say. These are all your responsibility. So no more playing victim, no more sitting around waiting for people to just guess what's on your mind or, or read between the lines or, or read your body language and sense what your emotional state is. Use your words, let people know. You don't have to blame them. You don't have to attack them. You just let them know what to expect from you. Hey, I'm available for this not this. I would really like it if you could do this, not this. And from that point forward, you get to remove that margin of error to respect yourself. I will see you next week.